Section three of an inland voyage. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. An inland voyage by Robert Louis Stevenson. The Royal Sport Nautique. The rain took off near Laken, but the sun was already down. The air was chill and we had scarcely a dry stitch between the pair of us nay now we found ourselves near the end of the allée verte and on the very threshold of brussels we were confronted by a serious difficulty the shores were closely lined by canal boats waiting their turn at the lock nowhere was there any convenient landing place nowhere so much as a stable yard to leave the canoes in for the night we scrambled ashore and entered an estaminet where some sorry fellows were drinking with the landlord the landlord was pretty round with us he knew of no coach-house or stable-yard nothing of the sort and seeing we had come with no mind to drink he did not conceal his impatience to be rid of us one of the sorry fellows came to our rescue somewhere in the corner of the basin there was a slip he informed us and something else besides not very clearly defined by him but hopefully construed by his hearers sure enough there was the slip in the corner of the basin and at the top of it two nice-looking lads in boating clothes the arethusa addressed himself to these one of them said there would be no difficulty about a night's lodging for our boats and the other taking a cigarette from his lips inquired if they were made by Serlan's son the name was quite an introduction half a dozen other young men came out of the boathouse bearing the subscription royal sport nautique and joined in the talk they were all very polite voluble and enthusiastic and their discourse was interlarded with english boat terms and the names of english boat builders and english clubs i do not know to my shame any spot in my native land where i should have been so warmly received by the same number of people we were English boating men, and the Belgian boating men fell upon our necks. I wonder if French Huguenots were as cordially greeted by English Protestants when they came across the Channel out of great tribulation. But after all, what religion knits people so closely as a common sport? The canoes were carried into the boathouse. They were washed down for us by the club servants. The sails were hung out to dry and everything made as snug and tidy as a picture and in the meanwhile we were led upstairs by our new-found brethren for so more than one of them stated the relationship and made free of their lavatory this one sent us soap that one a towel a third and fourth helped us undo our bags and all the time such questions such assurances of respect and sympathy i declare i never knew what glory was before yes yes the royal spore nautique is the oldest club in belgium we number two hundred we this is not a substantive speech but an abstract of many speeches the impression left upon my mind after a great deal of talk and very youthful pleasant natural and patriotic it seems to me to be we have gained all races except those where we were cheated by the french you must leave all your wet things to be dried oh entre frere in any boathouse in england we should find the same 
I cordially hope they might. On Angleterre, vous employez des sliding seats, n'est-ce pas? We are all employed in commerce during the day, but in the evening, voyez-vous, nous sommes sérieux. These were the words. They were all employed over the frivolous mercantile concerns of Belgium during the day, but in the evening they found some hours for the serious concerns of life. I may have a wrong idea of wisdom, but I think that was a very wise remark. People connected with literature and philosophy are busy all their days in getting rid of second-hand notions and false standards. It is their profession, in the sweat of their brows, by dogged thinking, to recover their old fresh view of life, and distinguish what they really and originally like, from what they have only learned to tolerate perforce. And these royal nautical sportsmen had the distinction still quite legible in their hearts. They had still those clean perceptions of what is nice and nasty, what is interesting and what is dull, which envious old gentlemen refer to as illusions. The nightmare illusion of middle age, the bear's hug of custom, gradually squeezing the life out of a man's soul, had not yet begun for these happy-starred young Belgians. They still knew that the interest they took in their business was a trifling affair compared to the spontaneous, long-suffering affection for nautical sports. To know what you prefer, instead of humbly saying amen to what the world tells you you ought to prefer, is to have kept your soul alive. Such a man may be generous, he may be honest in something more than the commercial sense, he may love his friends with an elective personal sympathy, and not accept them as an adjunct of the station to which he has been called. He may be a man, in short, acting on his own instincts, keeping in his own shape that God made in him, and not a mere crank in the social engine-house, welded on principles that he does not understand, and for purposes that he does not care of. For will any one dare to tell me that business is more entertaining than fooling among boats? He must never have seen a boat, or never seen an office who says so. And for certain, the one is a great deal better for the health. There should be nothing so much a man's business as his amusements. Nothing but money-grubbing can be put forward to the contrary. No one but mammon, the least directed spirit that fell from heaven. Durst risk a word in answer, but it is a lying cant that would represent the merchant and the banker as people disinterestedly toiling for mankind, and then most useful when they are most absorbed in their transactions, for the man is more important than his services. And when my royal nautical sportsman, shall have so far fallen from his hopeful youth that he cannot pluck up the enthusiasm over anything but his ledger, I venture to doubt whether he will be near so nice a fellow, and whether he would welcome, with so good a grace, a couple of drenched Englishmen paddling into Brussels in the dusk. When we had changed our wet clothes and drunk a glass of pale ale to the club's prosperity, one of their number escorted us to an hotel. He would not join us at our dinner, but he had no objection to a glass of wine. Enthusiasm is very wearing, and I begin to understand why prophets were unpopular in Judea, where they were best known. For three stricken hours did this excellent young man sit beside us to dilate on boats and boat races, and before he left he was kind enough to order our bedroom candles. We endeavoured now and again to change the subject, 
but the diversion did not last a moment the royal nautical sportsman bridled shied answered the question and then breasted once more into the swelling tide of his subject i call it his subject but i think it was he who was subjected the arethusa who holds all racing as a creature of the devil found himself in a pitiful dilemma he durst not know his ignorance for the honour of old england and spoke away about english clubs and english oarsmen whose fame had never before come to his ears several times and once above all on the question of sliding seats he was within an acre of exposure as for the cigarette who has rowed races in the heat of his blood but now disowns these slips of his wanton youth his case was still more desperate for the royal nautical proposed that he should take an oar in one of their eights on the morrow to compare the english with the belgian stroke i could see my friend perspiring in his chair whenever that particular topic came up and there was yet another proposal which had the same effect on both of us it appeared that the champion canoeist of europe as well as most other champions was a royal nautical sportsman and if we would only wait until the sunday this infernal paddler would be so condescending as to accompany us on our next stage neither of us had the least desire to drive the coursers of the sun against apollo when the young man was gone we countermanded our candles and ordered some brandy and water the great billows had gone over our head the royal nautical sportsmen were as nice young fellows as a man would wish to see but they were a trifle too young and a thought too nautical for us we began to see that we were old and cynical we liked ease and the agreeable rambling of the human mind about this and the other subject we do not want to disgrace our native land by messing an eight or toiling pitifully in the wake of the champion canoeist in short we had recourse to flight it seemed ungrateful but we tried to make the good on a card loaded with sincere compliments and indeed it was no time for scruples we seemed to feel the hot breath of the champions on our necks. End of section three.